Hi, I'm Lauren Clash-Schneider with Clash Notes for Broadway Radio. I'm here with Joe Brancato, director of After, playing off-Broadway at 59 E59 Theaters. Welcome. Well, thank you, and thank you for having me today. Ah, glad, glad to be able to hear what you have to say about this extraordinary show. So, After... Produced by Penguin Rep Theater and in Proximity Theater Company, follows two families in light of a tragedy before, during, and after an incident of bullying and gun violence. Yes. So what drew you to this piece? Well, actually, my history is with the playwright, Michael McKeever. Michael McKeever and I collaborated at the Penguin Rep in a production of Daniel's Husband uh, two years ago. And mm-hmm. then... That production then moved down to the Cherry Lane Theater under the auspices of uh, primary stages and then was produced commercially by Ted Snowden at the West Side Arts Theater um, this past year. So it's had Mm -hmm. a wonderful, wonderful journey. And once again, Michael McKeever, who kind of focuses on things that are so relatable but encases it in such an accessible uh, form. For instance, Daniel's husband was about a gay couple who hadn't signed the proper papers and after a personal tragedy uh, realized the consequences of that. Well, no matter what your proclivity, people walked out and were affected by this and possibly changed their lives. And so he follows suit with this play. He brought me this play after, which we did at Penguin Rep. And then in joining within proximity, we got an opportunity at the wonderful theater, 59E59, which is a gem in New York City, giving mm-hmm. not-for-profits an opportunity to be seen and explore their works and help us uh, produce in many, many ways and facets of producing, which is publicity, et cetera, and a wonderful house staff. So we had this opportunity, and once again in this play after, he focuses on a subject that we're all too aware of, some of us mm-hmm. have been touched by but now after this uh, play, one definitely feels touched by the consequences of bullying, of gunplay, of extraordinary situations in the most ordinary of families. And he mm. questions not the incident, but rather how the, how the families deal, how the parents deal with this. What are the defenses? And essentially what the question is asked, what happens after? And there go the title, after. Right, 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 right. It's really wonderful to hear you talk about Daniel's husband, of course, by playwright Michael McKeever, and the relationship that gets developed between a director and a writer. Tell us Mm -hmm. about the rehearsal process with Michael and the ensemble, you know, playing parents grappling with such dire circumstances. Yes. Well, um, we had the opportunity first to work on this together. He had done it in Florida first, and then I joined the team, and we did a Penguin Rep at the barn up in Rockland County, Stony Point, New York. And we worked on it there, and he came and uh, loved what he was seeing. And we, of course, have a, you know, what you are referring to in terms of relationship between director and playwright. It's so lovely when you've already done work together. There's a shorthand. There's um, the, the fuse is shorter. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we, we, blo- we, we and then we have our cappuccino after or whatever after. So it's, uh-huh. it's perfect that we're able to have this exchange and being blessed by uh, this move in New York, having a chance to reinvestigate it uh, with Michael in the room and a wonderful cast of, of actors that we're blessed with. 
um, to bring this story to life. Um, very rarely, as with Daniel's husband, we had three opportunities with the same cast to investigate the material. Here we had an opportunity to re-enter the material and to d- dig deeper and um, push Michael to wherever he wished to go, and he pushes us to where he sees. And ultimately we have, um, in fact, the other evening we had this amazing woman named Sue Ellen Freed, F-R-I-E-D, and uh, she came in from Kansas City. She's a, 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 an expert and, um, quite frankly, has written many books on banishing bullying behavior in schools. And it was oh. so telling and so heartrending where the audience, after the production, leaned into her conversation, realizing that Michael's play is really coming from the headlines and coming from our lives. And doesn't, he doesn't answer the questions. He's, he's, he, he doesn't come off as a genie in any way, but he simply presents in the most dramatic and entertaining ways. He manages to find humor everywhere. And um, we're, we're very blessed to be seeing audiences affected by work that we have been doing. So after it's mm. really an experience. Hmm. Now, of course, there's no opportunity for the group of us to actually be in the rehearsal room. Could you tell us, give us a story, perhaps, about a time with you and Michael in the rehearsal room that we wouldn't get to read in a program. Sure. And, and in fact, if you ever wish to do that, just contact me and we can do that at some future event. It's, uh-huh. it's terrific. You could come up to the barn in Rockland or in Manhattan or wherever we're rehearsing. And we love people watching the process. Very so many generous people. of you. Well, it's so funny because you're asking this question and we had just had a conversation recently about though people come to theater and and give their their hard-earned dollars down to to experience the play and we value an audience very often people don't quite understand what the lines are or how something comes when when a glass is picked up or when a, a cross is made or when a line is read with a certain intention how all those details happen and in the room very often uh, we will present things or we'll investigate things always in a safe environment where Hopefully, an exchange can be free and clear, and then out of that, weed out that which we love, and then put aside those things that were just an experiment. And with Michael in the room, yes, we've had uh, some wonderful, especially with after, opportunities to talk about and how he had to literally update the play because he refers to the number of um, gun killings, and he he refers to the uh, terrible epidemic of bullying but when he refers to the guns, um, the count of guns, he had to actually increase the number of, of incidents from the first time we did it, you know, raise the number now up to 62 in this country already. So there's a contemporary feel to the rehearsal process. And in terms of exploring things, uh, his input is terrific, and we work together hand in hand. Um, my hopefully carrying out and informing his vision that he had originally in his room when he wrote it, um, and he's very willing to do that. I, I, I love working with the living playwright in the room. It, it really does help. And um, so that's been a great experience. Oh, great. Well, about the play specifically, the use of cell phones, actually, we're hearing them going off in the office in the <laughs> studio today, to hide behind bullying is so prevalent in today's headlines. And the play, you know, deals with this. How did you navigate cell phone use so effectively? Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because the 
I was a latchkey kid in the Bronx. Mom worked, and my sister and I would come home from school. And no matter what um, anguish we may have had or been witness to in school, somehow we came home, we latchkeyed, and we stayed at home, and we were safe. Unfortunately, today, through cell phones, this if a child is, in fact, the victim of bullying, it can carry on into his home or her home. It could carry to her 24 hours a day, which is genuinely a torture for that person. There are no barriers any longer. There was always, no matter how horrendous, and I dare say bullying has been going on for years in some fashion, but now what's happened is it is so present because the cell phone is present, the social media is present. So how does a child turn that off? You know, How does he come to feel safe if, in fact, he's home and yet he's getting this and perhaps ashamed to or cannot express to his parents this particular thing. Um, so it, it really does play a great part. And, of course, in the zeitgeist today, with we know what's going on in terms of anyone who is attentive to our country and the news and the way politicians speak, um, and most emphatically, I would say without question, the commander-in-chief of our nation will articulate bullying across the board every day, whether it's a tweet or television, et cetera. And despite his lovely wife's earnest efforts to go on a war toward the, against bullying, it's so amazing this time we're living in right now where I am so grateful not to be nine years old because I think that is part of their lives and uh, is present in their lives. They need to be aware of it as, uh, you know, the play registers that. We have a lot of parents bringing young people, I mean people generally 14, 15 years old, uh, to the theater, and it's quite stunning to me how they're very aware of this problem. It's very much a part of their lives. And uh, after addresses it in the, re- in the aftermath of such an incident and um, – it's, it's it's quite telling the piece. I'm sure, and um, yeah, to to witness a cross generational opportunity for people in that audience, as young as in their teens, really does have quite an effect. Last last yeah. question. Talk a little bit about the actors and it being an ensemble piece and their emotional mm-hmm. journey. Um, if you have any insight to that, and what things are mm-hmm. like for them. The moment the curtain comes right. down. Well, the wonderful thing about being in the uh, room with these actors, excuse that call, I have another call coming in, I apologize, um, but I'm not taking it. Um, the interesting thing is putting together the team players is so important, and we've been very blessed with a cast that really connects. We have uh, uh, Jolie Kersinger uh, in the play. We have Denise Cormier and Mia Matthews, and playing the husbands, the two husbands that are present, uh, we have Michael Frederick and Bill Phillips. These parents, these two sets of parents and one woman's sister, come together in this room to deal with a text that one parent, feel, set of parents, feels is an absolute assault and an absolute dangerous situation, and the other parents don't see that in it at all. And, of course, the consequences of that come to the fore. Well, these actors, these wonderful actors who would be in the room dealing with this subject matter, and, um, of course, 
humor is the survival tax. So many times we would have lots of fun in investigating this because that's the only way to get through it. But their insights, their abilities to shift, their abilities to turn and come in through another place with a delivery um, and sharing each other and being respectful of each other's time um, in investigating it has been a wonderful, wonderful journey. And I think that's pretty evident to anyone who's watching the show. You see a trust in each other um, because it is, it is heavy material. It's a material that, you know, and we have a number of actual parents in the play who uh, dealing with this meant a great deal to them. Um, and um, so, so the, the, if you don't have that, that place where you have the actors to pull off Michael's work and my work, you have nothing. And the final beat, of course, is then throwing it out to the final uh, people who do uh, collaborate with us, and that is the audience each afternoon and each evening. And they really fill the space with an, an experience of, um, of understanding or coming to grips with this material and hopefully leaving the theater um, a tad more informed or a tad more concerned. And um, maybe all will be well in the world. Who knows? <laughs> we can only we well, can only all is certainly well at 59E59. Joe, thank you. I'm Lauren Clash Schneider with Joe Brancato from after playing Off-Broadway at 59E59 through April 14th. Thank you. Thank you so much.